is is in the middle of a crisis, you lose your beans, you lose your brains. And before you know it, the crisis now reveals the fact that deep down in your brain, you're a little bit nuts. And I'm not talking about like biochemically nuts. I'm talking about the inability to function with self-control under pressure. And you know what the problem is, is when you get crazy in a crisis, your crisis gets amplified. When you're already stressed and there's a lot going on, even the little things feel huge. Things you'd usually take in stride now provoke volcanic reactions. In short, you lose your head. Well, Nebuchadnezzar does this very thing. He's freaked out by a dream he has, and allowing his emotions to take control, he makes some really crazy decisions. Today, Pastor Daniel shares that it doesn't have to be this way for you you can keep perspective in the midst of crisis. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Daniel chapter 2 as he begins his message, Crisis. So in our own personal lives, those times of friction might never be more profound than in times of great crisis. It's been often said that crisis does not create our character, crisis reveals our character. See, in the moment in life when something hits a boiling point, when something goes on that is just so absurd, the ways that we react shows us who we already are. We would love to see ourselves in those moments of crisis rise up and grab hold of the Lord and life in such a way that we move through a crisis with shining colors, but let's be honest, oftentimes we don't like what we see when we find ourselves in a crisis, do we? For most of us, in the midst of a moment of crisis, the stuff that comes out of us is, well, let's just say it this way, it's pretty disconcerting, isn't it? But what we always need to remember is that we have to learn how to train before the race. See, nobody, if they decide that they're going to go, let's say they decided they're going to run a marathon, nobody just goes out and runs a marathon. You begin to train for it. Maybe you say, listen, maybe if you've never run, and I'm not a runner by any means, you know, I run to the grocery store. That's where I run, you know? But like, you don't just go out and be like, okay, I'm going to go run a marathon. No, you start training and you start running and you're like, I'm going to do a half marathon first. Nobody just says, hey, I've never ran a half marathon. I've only ridden my bicycle around the neighborhood. I'm going to go do an Ironman next week. Like, nobody does that, right? You have to train before that race that happens. And I think for each one of us, oftentimes the reason we struggle with what we see about ourselves in the moments of crisis is because we've actually failed to realize that who we are reveals itself at the moment of crisis. And so talk about an area of friction, right? An area where there are these opposing forces that clash together in our own lives. Moments of crisis are some of the greatest areas of friction. But what's beautiful is that not only do we have these personal moments of crisis, but because of the world that we live in today, there will always be crisis moments 
for our culture and crisis moments for those of you here who are followers of Jesus. What happens when the culture you live in imposes things upon you that has nothing to do with you, but now all of a sudden you have to deal with it? And in those moments of crisis, how do we act? It's funny, I was talking with our founding pastor. You know, I just, if you've never met Pastor Bill, you got, for those of you who've been here for a while, you know Pastor Bill real well. Pastor Bill has got this amazing, God has given him an amazing insight into life. And we were talking about what we saw in Daniel chapter one last week. And he said something to me that was really powerful. I never heard the phrase before. He said, you know, Daniel, he's like, what you're encouraging the people to is structural living. I'm like, okay, explain that. And I never heard the phrase before. And he's saying, for Daniel in the Bible, right? Like, there was already decisions made. And so in the moment, he didn't have to come up with what he's going to do because there's already a structure in place in his life and he lives out of that structure. And he said something really powerful. He said, if you don't live structurally, you will live emotionally. And what that means is that given however you feel in the moment will dictate your actions. And he's saying, look, all of us, if we're not careful, if we live emotionally, we will never live the life that we want to live. But if we live structurally, that who the Lord is and what he does is placed at the center, right? And we live everything out of that structure of the Lord, he said, then all of a sudden, things get a lot simpler because you don't have to be dependent on how you feel. And I thought to myself, man, that'll preach, bro. I think I said to him, I said, I said, you know, if you keep going like this, you might have a career in this pastor thing, you know? (laughs) Needless to say, he's already had an illustrious Hall of Fame career, and God is still using him in powerful ways. But today we're going to see a moment of crisis in the life of the prophet Daniel. And we're going to see how just as Daniel's in a moment of crisis, we're going to learn very important truths for our own lives. So open up in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel 2. We're going to take verses 1 to 23 today. So listen, if you have a smart device, you can pull that thing out and type in Daniel 2, 1 to 23. You'll get it. The book of Daniel is pretty easy to find. It's right after a series of really long books. You have the book of Psalms, and there's a couple of some small ones. There's Proverbs, and then there's Isaiah, and then there's Jeremiah, and then there's Ezekiel. I know there's a couple other books in there. And then there's Daniel. So if you see any of those names, just turn to your right. You'll get to Daniel. If you get to Hosea, turn back to your left. So at that very end of the major prophets, right before the 12 minor prophets section, Daniel chapter 2. Now, listen, Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 7 are some of the most profound prophecies that you'll ever find in the Bible. And so we're actually not going to get to the prophecy today. Today is just all about the setup. Because it was funny, I was going to try and do the whole chapter, and I'm like, oh, no, no, this stuff's too rich. I don't want to run over this stuff, because in some ways, the prophecy is powerful, but the seeing what happens in the moment of crisis, because Everybody I know has crisis moments in their life. I'm like, I don't want to run over that to get to some other stuff. So look at what it says. Daniel chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. Now in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. Then the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. And so they came and they stood before the king. Verse 3, and the king said to them, I have had a dream and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. 
Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will give you the interpretation. And the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you shall be cut in pieces and your houses shall be made an ash heap. However, if you tell the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. And they answered again and said, let the king tell the servants the dream and we will give its interpretation. And the king answered and said, I know for certain that you would gain time because you see that my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me, there is only one decree for you. But for you have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time is changed. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can give me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matters. Therefore, no king, lord, or ruler has ever asked such things of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. It is a difficult thing that the king requests, and there is no other who can tell it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. For this reason, the king was angry and very furious and gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went out and they began killing the wise men and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Wow. Now, I want to start with maybe the most important thing I can teach you about when you're in a crisis. And we're going to actually learn it from the reaction of King Nebuchadnezzar. And that is this. It's simple. But you're going to want to write this down. Don't be crazy. <laughs> Don't be crazy. Because you know what it is? What I just read to you, this king has this dream, right? And it says it's in the second year of his reign. Right? And all but he has this dream, and this dream is so profound to him that it's unsettling in his spirit that he can't sleep. Right? And so Nebuchadnezzar decides, okay, man, there's something to this dream that I just had. I need to find out what's going on. So he calls all of the wise guys to him the astrologers and the magicians and the Chaldeans who were part of the southern, Chaldea was southern Babylon, the southern area. You know, and they were all renowned for different types of wisdom. But the thing is, is that Nebuchadnezzar's request is unique because normally someone would bring a dream and they had questions about the dream and then the wise guys would try and interpret it. But now he's like, look, I actually want you to tell me the dream and its interpretation. And you notice right away from the way these people begin to react to him that this is a problem because they say to him, well, listen, well, just tell us the dream. We'll tell you the interpretation. No, no, no. I'll know that you have wisdom if you can tell me the dream and it's interpreted. And they're like, hey, hey, nobody asked us to do that. You know, it's like, this is so far out of the, and he literally, you notice what he says to them. See, he is so undone that he actually tells them at the end of verse five, listen to this. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you shall be cut in pieces and your houses shall be made an ash heap. So really what he's saying is, if you don't do what I want you to do right now, I'm going to chop you up into little pieces, and I'm going to burn your house down. 
Now, that sounds pretty crazy, right? That's right. But you know what I find when crisis happens? People get loco. And what happens is, is in the middle of a crisis, you lose your beans. You lose your brains. And before you know it, the crisis now reveals the fact that deep down in your brain, you're a little bit nuts. And I'm not talking about like biochemically nuts. I'm talking about the inability to function with self-control under pressure. And you know what the problem is, is when you get crazy in a crisis, your crisis gets amplified. Why? Because your insanity does not change the crisis. It completely debilitates your ability to function in the crisis in the way that you ought to. And Nebuchadnezzar, all through the book of Daniel, is going to be a bright, shining example of what it means to lose your head in the middle of a crisis. Now, I realize you might be like, well, look, man, Nebuchadnezzar, that's real crazy. But you got to ask yourself, how crazy do you get in the middle of a crisis? I saw a really beautiful example of this. Jason, who's our executive pastor of Creative Arts, is, he's been on staff here for over 20 years, Pastor Bill's son. And I remember there was a situation going on, and Pastor Jason and myself were standing, we were talking to someone, and this person was recounting the situation, was getting really worked up. And I'll never forget it, because if you know Pastor Jason, Pastor Jason's real pragmatic. He's just kind of like, he just tells it like he sees, and he just stops and says, hey, listen, hold on. You have to realize this is only big in your head right now. It's not big anywhere else. It's only big between your two ears, and you're blowing this thing up, and it really doesn't mean anything. Because you know what happened? I started to think about all the things that got really big between my two ears that were really small. Because of a situation or because of a crisis, all of a sudden, it gets amplified in my head, and then we begin to live out of a crisis that I'm being crazy in, and instead of being thoughtful in the spirit and wise about it, I become illogical in the flesh and I create a bigger calamity. My friends, how many of you right now, you're being crazy? There's things going on and you have completely lost your head. You're like Nebuchadnezzar. Sure, there's something going on here. See, what we're going to find out is that Nebuchadnezzar received the most profound dream, which is literally going to be an entire telling of the history of the Gentiles from Nebuchadnezzar's day all the way until the return of Jesus. So he didn't receive some small piece of information, but he completely lost his mind in the midst of it. It made me laugh when I wrote down, don't be crazy, because it's so simple But yet, we can get crazy really easy, can't we? I want you to notice this, though. Nebuchadnezzar's craziness now creates a crisis for everybody. Because the Chaldeans and the magicians and the astrologers, they can't tell him the dream. Or actually, they don't know if they can or if they can't, but in their minds, they can't. Right? And so what happens? How does this thing Land, Verse 12. For this reason, the king was angry, and he became very furious, and gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went out, and they began killing wise men, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. See, Nebuchadnezzar's insanity now became a carnage. If you were with us in the last message, remember I said how Daniel and all those wise men, it was a good gig in a kingdom. You got to eat of the king's food. Now, all of a sudden, Daniel and his friends are under a death sentence. 
You notice how sometimes a blessing is also can be a curse as well. Something that's a really good thing doesn't always turn out to be the best thing. Because in one sense, man, Daniel's hooked up. He's got this great situation. And now all of a sudden, there's a price on his head just for being part of that group. So instead of being crazy, how should we be? Well, listen to Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 13. It says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. My friends, instead of being crazy, can we live soberly? The idea of having, being sober-minded, there's an even-keeledness to being sober-minded. But not only live soberly, it also says in these verses that we should live righteously. And that word righteous literally means all things that pertain to what is right. Now, we realize that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So when we live righteously, we live in the Spirit with our eyes on Jesus, and we seek to live out in this world the way that Jesus moved through the world, because Jesus is the only righteous person. We receive his righteousness by faith, but we also follow the example of his life in our own life. And we say, look how Jesus handled that. Now, I know someone's bound to say, well, Jesus called the Pharisees brood of vipers. Listen, Jesus can talk that way and not sin, but we can't. You ain't no Jesus. I had someone say that to me, like, you're always talking about loving people. Didn't Jesus call the Pharisees brood of vipers? I'm like, look, bro, you ain't no Jesus Christ. Jesus can talk like that. We can't. If I tell, call someone, and you're like, what's a brood of vipers? It means that your parents are snakes. That was like real nasty talk back in Jesus' day. You know, Jesus could say those things and not sin. Me, on the other hand, no. And I think you're just like me. So just always remember that. For those of you who love righteous indignation, you are not Jesus of Nazareth. You got it? Tell the person next to you, say, you are not Jesus of Nazareth. Go ahead. I just want to bury this stuff deep into your guys' hearts. Now, I want to give you one interesting Bible point before we move on. And I think you'll like this. Most people realize that the scriptures, we read it in English because we're here in America, and English is the more common language of our culture. Most people realize that the Bible is actually written in Hebrew in the Old Testament and Greek in the New Testament. Interesting, picking up in verse 4 of Daniel chapter 2, it says, Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic. That begins the section from Daniel chapter 2 to Daniel chapter 7 that is actually written in Aramaic. So when somebody ever asks you if you're doing Bible trivia, what language is the Bible written in? You can say Hebrew, Greek, and what else? Aramaic. And this begins a long section in the book of Daniel that's all written in Aramaic. Now, a lot of people wonder, well, why was it written in Aramaic? And a lot of scholars would say the reason it was written in Aramaic is this whole section is about the life of the Gentiles. That there's so much discussion about what goes on outside of the life of the Jewish people. Sure, Daniel's in the middle of this, but what's interesting is that it has this idea in the Old Testament that it's about the other people as opposed to the Jewish people. Now, I wouldn't overly strain that interpretation, but I did want to put it out there for you from a point of Bible information for those of you who like to impress your Christian and non-Christian friends. Next, moving on, verse 14. Look at what happens. Then, with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is this decree from the king so urgent? 
Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So what goes on is this decree to kill all of the wise men and the counselors in Babylon, it ends up right in front of Daniel and his friends. They are part of that group, but they were not part of the group who was before the king. So all of a sudden, you can imagine the commotion that's going on. And when this guy, Arioch, shows up to start to kill the wise people who are around Daniel and these guys, Daniel asks a certain question. He says, why is this decree from the king so urgent? Now, listen, you want some wisdom in crisis? Ask good questions. See, oftentimes we get so emotional based on the crisis that we have the inability to find out what's really going on. It says here that Arioch, he explained to Daniel what was going on. And then in verse 16, it tells us, so Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. And then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercy from the God of heaven. My friends, in the middle of a crisis, you know what you need to do? You need to create God's space. You need to create God's space. You see what's going on? In the middle of a crisis... All this stuff's going on, and we get emotional, and we stop thinking, and we get crazy, and when that happens, we do not create any space for the God of all creation to speak, to guide, or to lead. We just move into action rather than stopping and saying, God, what is going on here? And what I love about what Daniel does here is he asks Arioch this really amazing question like, why is this happening? What's so urgent? And Arioch said, well, this is what went on. And then Daniel says, can I ask the king for time? All the wise men, all the astrologers, all the Chaldeans, no one thought to say, hey, King Nebuchadnezzar, no one's ever asked that request before. But you know, can you give us a little time to seek what the dream was? Daniel goes on and asks the king, king, can I have a little bit of time so that I can explain this to you? And you know what the king did? He said, okay. I mean, you don't even think about this stuff when you read it, right? Where you're like, someone's like, wow, Daniel's brilliant. Like, can I just get a little time to, to seek this out? And what's amazing is, is from the king's response to Daniel, if the Chaldeans would have asked him, he would have said, fine. But because they, oh, it's impossible. Nobody knows. Only the gods know. And none of them even thought to think, well, I'm going to seek the gods, except for Daniel. What do you do in a time of crisis? Do you let your emotions overwhelm you like Nebuchadnezzar? Or do you follow Daniel's example and create a space for God to respond? Today, Pastor Daniel urged you to not lose your head when things are crazy. You were encouraged to take a deep breath and put on the brakes. Instead of being ruled by your thoughts and your emotions, you can invite God into what's going on and wait for his direction. Crisis doesn't have to take you out. With Jesus, you can thrive no matter what's going on. 
Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page, JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the Stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share more about how Daniel responded in his moment of crisis. Even though the circumstances were intense, he didn't lose his head. You'll see how he invited people to pray with him. Together, they sought God and waited for his guidance and direction. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Friction. Please, glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.